Hey everybody, it's Tuesday. Time for another movie review. I'm gonna try to get in the video. Yeah, you're in the yeah, neighbor's I'm video. In the video. Yeah. <laughs> How the fuck does that shit happen? I don't know. You're always going yeah. to the neighbor's video. I, I don't know. know why you're doing that, invading their shit. They're like, hey, who are you, motherfucker? Yeah. That's what they're doing. <clears throat> this is a good this was a good movie. I had forgotten, because yeah. here's the thing. I probably saw this in the late 80s, because back then, this came out in 1982, and it was like a big, like, cult classic midnight movie type of thing, like, and I was real into, like, in high school, I was real into, like, all these like, indie movies and stuff like that, so me and my friends watched a bunch of these, and I remember really, really liking it back in the day, but I hadn't seen it since then. I don't think I saw it since I was in high school, which was a long time ago, okay? It was, like, the late 1980s. So I saw that it was on HBO Max, and then we were then I thought of it again because we just did Night of the Comet not mm. too long ago, and that had Robert Beltran in it, also had yeah. Mary Warrenov in it, yeah. and also had Paul Bartel in it, uh, all yeah. three of whom are also in this movie. So I was like, oh, we should totally do that movie. So I put it in the poll, I think, last week, but it didn't win. But then I put it in again, and it won this time. So I was like, really? And I and watching it again last night, I was like, oh, my God, I forgot how much I fucking love this movie. I yeah. love this movie. This movie is hilarious. Jenny suggested it because uh, we did Night of the Cl Comet. That also had Robert Beltran in it. Yeah. And um, he's, he's the guy for, who played Chakotay from um, Star Trek Voyager. Which, that was the only thing I knew him from. I, I thought he was great on Voyager, even though I don't really remember that program that much. But I, I, I don't remember all the episodes. I had to go back and watch it. But I remember liking it. And um, when you saw him in his early stuff, what, what impressed me about him with Night of the Comet is that he, he's a good actor. I mean, he's got training. I checked his background. He's, he had a lot of good theater training. Mm -hmm. He was from Bakerfield, Bakersfield, California and uh, parents of uh, Mexican immigrants. So he's, he's Chicano. Um, Bakersfield, back in those days, that, I don't know what it's like now, but back in those days, that was upper middle class. So he, he, he could he could have, his family got him some damn acting training, but he, he was good. And um, in this one, he knocks it out of the park. He does all kinds of funny shit. You can see he's, he does a lot of good comedy in it. And he's got that dashing kind of leading man look to him. I don't know why. I guess he came out a little bit too early to be in the rack pack because he really should have been there with Michael J. Fox and Tom Cruise and everything. He was like at that level. Um, but uh, he's good. He's a good actor and fucking amusing. And uh, I was just impressed with him. I can't believe that I only know him from television. I'm watching him and I'm going, what does this dude remind me of? And he reminded me of basically like uh, Chicano Don Johnson. There's something about the way he acts, he, his facial expressions or something. Just reminds me of Don Johnson. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see what you're saying. He's at like that level. You know, he could have played a really good cop role, which, you know, being a Starfleet officer, you know, that's an official. He was really good at that as Chicago. Yeah. So he could have been a, he, he could have been right on Miami Vice, been really good. I mean, this, yeah. in this movie, it's like a completely different uh, role for him. <laughs> yeah, it's comedy. He actually, Dark yeah, comedy. I mean, he actually plays the titular Raul, but yeah. he's actually not like the star of the movie. He actually comes in like a little bit later, but um, he shines in it though. Yeah, I mean, he makes an impression. I, the main three actors in this are just yeah. like so so great. Um, Mango said, uh, Bartel made some great movies. Yeah, Death Race two thousand. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to talk about that a little bit because Paul Bartel, uh, who sadly passed away back in two thousand, uh, but he's kind of like. I feel like he's sort of like an unsung 
indie movie hero. You know what I mean? He made like so much good shit. He worked with um, Roger Corman a lot back in the day, and he was actually paid, I think, $5,000 like to direct mm. Death Race 2000, yeah. and which, of course, is a huge cult classic. But the thing about it was that him and Roger Corman, I feel like they were always a little bit at odds because Paul Bartel always wanted to go like darker comedy. And the way that Death Race 2000 came out, I mean, that's obviously like a very dark comedy as well. And I don't think that Roger Corman was all that jazzed at how it went in a more darkly comedic route. I think he wanted it to be a little bit more serious, but, you know, I, that kind of came out later. But the thing about this movie was that Paul Bartel was like, you know, I had worked for Roger Corman, and he was kind of, like, not super happy with, like, the direction I was taking things, and then I had other projects and you, with Roger Corman, and they didn't get made. So he's like, I just wanted to make the movie I wanted to make. Because if you didn't know, like Eating Raul, he actually co-wrote and directed this movie as well. And this was exactly what he wanted to do, like with no restrictions. This was pretty much like a completely independent production. Like he borrowed 300 grand from his parents to make it. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and one fact that I learned about this, which I think, I guess is true. I've seen it in multiple times because this has a Criterion Collection release too. And I think they mentioned it on there. But this movie was made entirely from, I think, what they call short ends. Hmm. Like when you film a movie with like with film stock, it's like leftover film stock that, that was unexposed that they didn't use. And they kind of keep it, and then later on they'll kind of, like, cadge it together, like, to use it, you know, to, to use it. And this movie was made entirely with that, with short ends, mm. like, you know, spliced together. Yeah. So they said that's why the, um, sometimes from scene to scene, like, the, uh, the appearance of it looks a little bit different because they were all different brands. Like, some of it was Kodak, and some of it was mm. Fuji, and some of it was stuff like that. Because they just, to, sa to save money, I didn't either, to yeah. be honest with you. To save money, they just kind of, like, use that because I guess that was just shit. It's like, yeah, we're not going to use that here. Take the, these little scraps. The movie is about this couple. They're kind of square. And, yeah, uh, very square. Yeah, and they go to they go to L.A. and they fall in into contact with a bunch of pervy fetish people, and um, one thing leads to another. They figure out that they could have in the newspaper kind of like a fake dominatrix ad and get these uh, pervy people and get them <laughs> come over and kill them and rob them. Yeah. And make a whole bunch of money. I forgot what they needed the money for. They're uh, a restaurant. Restaurant, that's right. That's their big dream was right. to open uh, Paul and Mary's Country Kitchen. Yeah. Now, they're, now they, <laughs> they hire a handyman to come to set up the damn parlor. He's supposed to be a locksmith. He's supposed to be a locksmith, but yeah. he's just like a contractor. He kind of just does whatever he has to at the time. And um, that's Raul. Well, he's actually a thief. He's a thief, actually. The yeah. locksmith is... His cover. Is, that's his cover. Yeah, like, he comes cover. in and he's like, oh, yeah. I'm going to install all locks and stuff on you. And then he makes keys of everything and then he breaks yeah. in your shit later. So he gets involved and his handsome ass steals the wife and tries to get the wife to kill the ex, the, the, the husband and run off together. And it, it's it, and he wants you know, to live with them. He wants to have a nice house with fucking, what do you call it, red velvet walls and... It, it red goes, velvet wallpaper. Well, ve red velvet wallpaper. And it's like I laughed at that, yeah, but I, then, I, then I was kind of like those real good velvet paintings. I, I would have red velvet yeah, wallpaper. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, I wouldn't have black velvet. Have, well, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I would. Right, but um, <laughs> a bunch of shit happens during the movie, and 
what's funny is that it has the the makings and the situations of something like along the lines of a Rob Zombie flick, but the tone is totally different. I could see Rob Zombie taking this idea and doing it his way, and it ended up being like something out of Devil's Rejects, because they're killing innocent people, you know, mercilessly without any fucking mercy, you know. I love. And I they're think trying to make it look real funny in this movie. Yeah. They kind of do that in, in, in Rob Zombie movies. The killers think it's funny, but you as an observer don't think it's don't funny. Don't think it's funny. That's the difference. In Whereas this one, in this one, it's You think it's funny, too. Yeah it's, yeah, it's absolutely hilarious. Which is kind of showing you how degenerate <laughs> you are. You know, they're calling these victims degenerate, so let's kill them. No, you're degenerate for well, doing this shit. No, the whole... The, I, I mean, as, I at least it. as I read it, yeah. the whole point of the movie is that they were satirizing... Um, because Paul and Mary, Paul Bartel and Mary Warrenov, they use their real, real names in this, and that they were actually like best friends. Uh, they worked together, I think, in seventeen movies, mm -hmm. and actually they played these same two characters in Chopping Mall. Like they oh, made yeah. a cameo, uh, but they worked together a lot. They were in a lot of. Uh, they were both in Night of the Comet too, like in small. Yeah, movies. I was just thinking, seeing this one wanted me to go back, and I wanted to go back and see Night of the Comet again. Yeah, that was well, a good movie. I know, I like that's that like movie comfort like. food movie. Yeah. Well, something. it's still on Shutter, as far as I know. Okay, yeah. I think. I wouldn't, or, mind, I wouldn't mind owning that movie. Yeah. Yeah. This one was on... I watched this on HBO Max. It might be on, like, other places, too. <laughs> but um, the whole point of the movie was that... I mean, this was the early 80s. They were... Um, Paul and Mary were these real uptight, kind of, like, 50s throwback sort of... I mean, they... They wore matching pajamas to bed. They slept in separate beds. They were yeah. almost like a 50s sitcom yeah. couple is what they were trying to do. They even slept with like little plushies, which I thought was hilarious. Like, I can't remember what Mary's were, but Paul's yeah. was definitely like a wine bottle because he was like a wine snob, <laughs> which kind of like reminded me of like Sideways, like Paul Giamatti and Sideways like later on. But um, but yeah, so they, so they were kind of like, they, the two of them weren't the heroes of the movie. They were kind of like making fun of the fact that... Because the way that the movie is, the two of them are sort of like these really, really square, really sexually repressed people. They don't even seem, they're married, but they don't, and they seem like they're in love with each other, but they don't seem to have sex or anything like that. And they look down their noses at this degeneracy that's exposed, because everybody else in LA, in the real, in the um, kind of context of this movie, is like a rapey. Yeah. It's just it's just like a total like sexual assault, like a sexual predator. Yeah, like I mean, every single person every like single one I'm over the top. Yeah. Right. Like and yeah, like jumping on her and like grabbing her, like the guy at the bank that's like giving her a loan and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, he's trying to get so, her to put outs to get the loan. Right. So yeah. the thing about it is that you're you're not seeing things as they really are, obviously. You're seeing things from their warped perspective. Like Probably. they feel like, oh, we're these pure fifties people but it's like oh the 80s and it's just so degenerate everyone's a degenerate I guess and so they feel superior to them but the funny thing about it why this is a comedy is that they feel justified in killing the swingers because it's like who's gonna miss a few perverts or something like that but they're totally fine with murder yeah the funny thing about it too is that they will absolutely do all the fetishy stuff like fit like fake it um, to lure the people in to kill them were, you know, if they were just like more sex positive or something like that, they could just do that for real and make money. Probably make more. That's what I'm saying. But that's part of the joke is yeah. that 
And they even go to the they even go to the trouble of like dressing up in costumes and like pretending yeah, yeah. that they're doing that they're doing the fetish yeah. stuff and then they come in and like hit him with the with the cast iron skillet and like yeah. kill them. But it's like, you know, if they really wanted to kill them, why didn't they just kill him when they walk well, in the door? You know what I mean? There's an element of truth in this because we've covered certain serial killer cases in the show where they were like this slightly. Like the uh, the dudes down here in Florida, the, the fitness guy who abducted the other dude. Yeah. They could have made just money in the damn fitness industry instead of yeah. dressing up like ninjas and trying to hold dudes hostages and fucking... <laughs> they, they didn't make any money doing that. Fucking thinking they're criminal masterminds. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. From uh, Pain and Gain. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there are dumbass crooks. Yeah. That, that, that but, don't know what they're doing. But Right, but I'm just saying that the whole point of them being like that in the movie was it was like making fun of them. It's like, you yeah. know, if you guys weren't so sexually repressed and if you don't yeah. didn't feel superior to these perverts, then you could just make money doing that like they do, like the dominatrix character yeah, in there well, did. But it's like instead you're killing people and they're fine with it. They're very like yeah. matter of fact about killing these people because yeah. they see them as trash. Yeah. So they're kind of like making fun of the. They main were doing characters. the fetish thing pretty much anyway. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they could have just. So they were. So the movie bunch is of kind work of for nothing. Right. Well, and the movie is kind of like making fun of their hypocrisy, like in that way, just because it's like, oh, you'll do it like to be fake. They even had to kill the dog. I guess they did kill the dog. Yeah, they didn't show that, they didn't but show they, that. I mean, they talked about it. Yeah. But, yeah. But, so, I don't know. If you guys haven't One seen this movie. One dude showed up with a big old Great Dane, and when, uh, uh, and she he wanted to see her have sex with a Great Dane. I mean, that was the implication. That was the implication. They never come sure. out and say that, but. But I'm pretty sure that's what they And when he shows up, <laughs> he's a little person with this Great Dane. Yeah. And uh, he's going, oh, he likes you already. That's the last time you see him. But she was saying, I guess we have to kill the dog, too. You know, and he's like, yeah, we have to kill the dog. Yeah. Just th- but yeah, so like a lot of it was implication too. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that they implied that they wanted her yeah. to have sex with the dog. She didn't yeah. like actually have sex with the dog mm. because they were killing the people. They before. killed her first. Well, they're calling you. No, it wasn't. What was that? It okay. was the oh. phone, but it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, so that's the thing, and I, like I said, I kind of feel like that was the funniest thing about it to me was that because I think you missed the very beginning. Yeah. But there was kind of like a. Um, like a little bit of a, it almost seemed like one of those uh, kind of voiceover like shorts where they're kind of like, you know, LA and it's so degenerate and like every, you know, everybody's a pervert and like they showed people getting like snatched off the street and like raped in cars and all this other kind of stuff. So they're kind of setting up this unrealistic framework that's kind of like obviously outlandish and obviously ridiculous, but it's kind of like what some people were maybe <laughs> thinking LA was really like. Mm-hmm. Like everything was just this cesspool of perversion and everything like that. So they took that like to its logical extreme and like made a joke about it. But they weren't like real over the top. The movie's ridiculous and it's outlandish and stuff like that, but I think it works because the two characters at the center of it are almost kind of like sympathetic like you kind of feel sorry for them but they're just so like i said they're just so matter of fact about everything like they don't get super upset because how they get into the whole murder thing they don't do it on purpose at least initially what ends up happening is that they live in this apartment building and um apparently like all the uh, all the other apartments are being taken over by all these perverts that are moving in like that have all these big orgies and swingers parties and stuff and they're very scandalized by all of this because like i said they're very proper like kind of 50s people 
So even they they even have like a lot of kind of fifties sort of stuff like in their apartment. You know what I mean? Like not real obviously, but a little bit. So what ends up happening is that they their big dream is to open a restaurant, like a country restaurant. Their last name is Bland, by the way, so that should tell you something. Um, Mary and Paul Bland, that's what their names are. So they want to open this country restaurant. I kind of felt like it was maybe something like Cracker Barrel. I, I kind of thought, I don't know if they had Cracker Barrel back then, but I, that was kind of the vibe that I got. So, uh, so they want to do that. Now, uh, Mary is a nurse, and she's just being constantly, like, sexually harassed by her patients, uh, you know, so again, because everybody in L.A. is apparently, like, a huge pervert, and, and uh, the other guy, and Paul, like, works at a liquor store, but he's, again, like, a wine snob, so he's, like, um, ordering these really, really expensive bottles of wine, and, like, the owner is like, dude, like, we don't have the clientele, like, to buy these, what are you doing, um, so he gets fired. So now they're kind of like worried about they're behind on their bills. And it's like, we're never going to open our restaurant now. And then it so happens that one of the swingers next door comes over to their apartment and essentially just like walks in and tries to like rape her. Cause like I said, everyone is just like a caricature. And, um, so in self-defense kind of like Paul just like whacks him over the head with a frying pan and kills him. And then they're just like, and I love his reaction to it too. He's like, he just keeps hitting the guy in the head with the pan. And she's like, stop, he's dead. It's like, I'm pretty sure he's dead. And the guy's just like, oh shit, that's all I need. And then they just stuff him in a bag and like just throw him down the garbage chute or whatever into the incinerator. And so after that, like they take all the money out of his wallet because he had like 600 bucks. And then they're like, yeah, these perverts, they always have all this money. And after, um... Mary gets turned down for a bank loan uh, and the bank loan, the bank loan officer's name is Mr. Leach, which again, very obvious. Um, he was played by Buck Henry, who was actually the, he wrote the screenplay for uh, The Graduate, actually. So uh, he's won a couple Oscars and stuff like that for his screenplays. But yeah, so he was in it. So he straight up tries to rape her. And so she doesn't get the loan, obviously, because she's very prim and proper. But after that, they're just like, well, why don't we just, um, you know, kill these people because they have money and it's like, they're just trash and they're just perverts and nobody cares. So that's what they do. So they go and like talk to this dominatrix that was at this party that they went to. And she tells them, she's like, yeah, why don't you just run an ad? in?" I think that it was called like the Hollywood press or something like that and have like all these people come over. So then like the middle, whole middle part of the movie is them doing like all these ridiculous like fetish scenarios like there's this one guy that comes over that wants to dress up like a nazi and <laughs> like w and like whip her and like try to get her to give them information her, yeah. and then ed bagley jr is in here like he yeah. wants her to dress up like a hippie so he can come there and like um castigate her for protesting the vietnam war and like beat the shit of him. he like tries to rape her as well and so because like i said it's just kind of like so um, at some point, like, Raul, who is uh, Robert Beltran's character, like I said, he starts out as, like, a locksmith, and he comes over to put new locks on their apartment because it's like, well, you know, all these swingers keep, like, wandering into our apartment, and we have all these expensive wine bottles and shit like that. So he comes over to put new locks in, but it turns out that he's a crook, and his whole, 
locksmith thing is just a cover so he can make keys for people's locks and like break into their shit. So he breaks into their house and sees the body, at which point they have to like make a deal with him. And he's like, hey, I know a guy that can get rid of these bodies for you if you split the money with me. And what they're ended up doing with the bodies is they're taking them to a dog food plant and grinding them up into dog food. So, as I said, it almost sounds like, and I was reading, like, Roger Ebert uh, reviewed this movie, like, when, back when it came out in 1982. And he said it's almost like Motel Hell, I guess. This, he likes Motel Hell better. I like, I like I like this one, but I like Motel Hell. I like too. them both. I like them both, but I think I like yeah. this one better. There's just something about this one. It's obviously very low budget. I think it only costs three hundred fifty thousand dollars to make. Um, you know, and it kind of shows. Like it's you know, it's obviously an independent movie, but there's something about the tone of this. Like just, I mean, it is just laugh out loud funny, and maybe that's just my sense of humor, I guess. But. I don't know. I had forgotten how fucking hilarious this movie was. I was just like watching, because like I said, I haven't seen it for probably like 30 years at least. And we were like watching it last night and I was just busting out laughing like a bunch of times. It's just so, so funny. And I don't know, like I was watching another review of it and he said, well, if you changed a few things around, this could absolutely be a horror movie because of the subject matter yeah it is very dark subject it's not bloody or anything like that like they don't show anybody getting it's not graphic it's not even violent no it's not like i said that you know yeah he kills people with the i like how he kills people with the skillet like every time yeah and like the funny thing too is like he goes out to like the grocery store or something and she's just like very casually is like can you get us another skillet i'm just like i'm kind of squeamish about cooking food and like the thing that we used to kill all these people (laughs) like just very very matter of fact it's just like they're they're absolutely like not even worried that they're like murdering people and like just sending them to be like ground up in a dog food and just like i think their their lack of emotion about it and just their matter the whole matter of fact like deadpan kind of thing about it is the funniest thing about it to me for some yeah. reason. I just I just find that very, very funny. <laughs> Mango says Buck Henry was in The Man Who Fell to Earth also. That's right, he was. Wow, it's been a while. <laughs> Since we reviewed that, but yeah. Um, Camp Guy says a Great Dane is one of the best jump scare dogs if you go over to someone's house and one jumps out around a corner. Yeah, they're huge. Um, where my mom used to live, they had a Great Dane and it was as big as me like when it stood up like it put my paw it's paws on my shoulders and it was taller than i was yeah, they tend to be chilled out dogs though i would hope so yeah because man that's fucking everyone gigantic. i've ever seen was just he was cool yeah uh camp guy said buck henry reminds me of henry gibson yeah they do kind of look alike uh both from the same era yeah gibson was great in nashville and magnolia yeah he was in the burbs also we were talking to we were just talking about the burbs the other day because um the guy that voiced Gollum was also in The Burbs. Mm. But yeah, so, I mean, if you like black comedies from the 1980s, uh, this is a really, really good one. And I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like a lot of people don't really talk about it anymore. And that's kind of like a shame because this movie is so fucking funny. I mean, I find it funny. I don't know if everybody else would, but... I don't know. Like, I've seen a lot of other reviews of it, and a lot of other people, like, seem to think it's, like, really, really it's funny. A, it's, it's a decent movie, especially for a, um, an independent film. It doesn't it doesn't really feel like an independent film. It just feels like a like a, like a low-budget... Well, I guess a lot of the low-budget movies we watched were kind of independent. So maybe, maybe it does. 
Yeah, um, and like I said, this is exactly... Comedy horror, you know, just... Yeah, this is exactly what Paul Bartel wanted yeah. to make, because, I mean, this was completely independently financed, and... It, it's decent. I, I, I'm going to give it to fucking Night of the Comet, though, for, uh, in terms of a Beltran flick. I liked him better than that one. I think that's actually a better movie. Um, or at least, now I don't want to say that. It's more my tastes. Right. Or something like that. Whereas and, I feel like I like this one more. Yeah. I like both of them, but this one's more... Because I really, really like black comedies, and I know yeah. that they're... I think they're a more divisive genre altogether, maybe. Um, kind of like Death Becomes Her and fucking Little Shop of Horrors. It's, it's that type of movie. It's just not quite the same budget. Yeah. This one and gives me a little bit of a John Waters. It's it's gives me yeah. a little bit of a John Waters vibe as well. Yeah, yeah I guess. Um, well, you know, I don't know that. I don't think I've ever seen a John Waters movie. Yeah, that. we discussed that yeah, before. Just, I, I still can't but, believe that you've never seen a no. John Waters movie. I have to show you one at some just, point. You okay. probably you probably like. Um, I imagine you probably like Crybaby. Okay. Yeah, that was, that's that's a good one to that's start got with. Tracy Lords and and, and um, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Is Depp in it. Her. Yeah, I remember when that came out. I thought you had seen Hairspray. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we watched the remake of Hairspray that had John Travolta in it, in the Divine role, but the original one's a lot better. Hmm. You never saw Hairspray with Ricky Lake? I don't think I no. I don't think I ever saw Hairspray with John Travolta in it. But no, we did because we yeah. watched it together. Oh, they, they, I didn't. I didn't. I don't remember it. I mean, the original is a lot better. The remake yeah. was all right too, but I liked the original a lot better. But yeah, so I mean, this movie, like I said, Paul Bartel wrote it. He also co-wrote it with um, Richard Blackburn, who is also in this movie. He actually plays James, uh, the the real estate agent that's like trying to get them the building that they want for the restaurant, and. They said, again, to save money, not only do they use all the film short ends and everything, but pretty much everybody other than the principal characters in this is, like, members of the crew Hmm. also. (laughs) Because they were just kind of like, oh, and the guy that plays, there's a great scene where where Paul goes to a sex shop, like, to buy some stuff, and the guy behind the counter, it's just, like, this really hilarious, you have to see it. It's, like, this really hilarious scene where the guy's, like, trying to sell him all this stuff. And that guy, like, behind the counter, they wanted um, Paul Rubens for that. You yeah. know, Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Um, and he either didn't want to do it or couldn't do it or something like that. But he's like, oh, um, you know, use this other guy. And that guy would go on to be, I can't remember what his name is. He had, like, a fucking, what was his name? Paragon? I think I feel like his last name was Paragon or something like that. It was a word. And uh, he ended up being on Pee-wee's Playhouse, like, later on. But that guy's fucking great, like, the way he's just, like, trying to sell him, like, all this fucking sex toys and stuff. Because, like I said, the funniest thing about this movie to me is that, one, (laughs) these two are just totally fine with murder. They just, they kill a guy and they're just like, oh, shit, well, whatever. And then they're like, oh, maybe we should do that again because we made a lot of money. And they're just, like, totally, they're not conflicted about it they don't give a shit about it or anything like that it's not a lot of money it's like a couple hundred bucks a pop right well and that's the thing like when Raul comes into the picture which is kind of like you know they kind of have to bring him in because he's like well I could go to the cops well they're like well you can't go to the cops because you broke into our house so they're like okay we're kind of at an impasse they're like well we should work together and he knew a way to get rid of the bodies like I said because he knew a guy that had that could grind them up for dog food and so they had to kind of like do this thing but he was saying, it's like, yeah, you're doing all this work and you're just only making a few hundred dollars per person because they were just taking whatever money they had out of the thing. But the thing they found out later was that Raul was also 
taking uh, the people's clothes and their cars and selling those and not telling Paul and Mary about it. So he was even getting more money on the side. So when they found out about that, then Paul Bartel tried to hire the dominatrix to do role play and like try to get rid of him because he started had started like fucking the wife. You know what I mean? Because the, the wife and them started having an affair. How's she going to resist? <laughs> look, look at the difference between Beltran and, and, and Beltran's his middle name. His his last name is Pettis. But look at look at the difference between Pettis and her and her supposed husband. All right. Even though that woman, if you ask me, man, she was probably what six foot one. She was tall, man. Tall yeah, Mary Warnoff is very tall. She's, she's still alive as far as yeah, I know. She, she's probably about six foot something. She started out in uh, Andy Warhol's stuff. Yeah. Very well known. And I think she was in Chelsea Girls, and she was in like yeah. a lot of his early films. Did some stuff with the Velvet Underground, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And she's been in a fuck ton of movies, man. Yeah. Fuck ton. She's kind of cool. There's something about yeah. her. She, there's something about her. I mean, uh, she kind of gave me, gave me that late 70s, early 80s porn star vibe, actually. I don't, that's not what she is, but in this movie she gives off that vibe, which is funny because they're supposed to be they're supposed to be uptight, but she kind of wears some fucking scandalous shit. Well, that's like I said, that's kind of part of the it. humor. Yeah, is that she's supposed to be the, you like, can this see right straight through half laced that shit? Yeah, yeah, she's supposed to be this real straight laced, but it's yeah. like then they're like, oh well, we'll do all this like fetishy shit. Like she wears mm-hmm. a Minnie Mouse costume at one point, like some kind of S and M stuff. And well, when she goes to get their loan, you, she's wearing a dress you can see right through. You can see her underwear through it. Yeah, that's well. Like I said, that's why part of the joke that they yeah. don't. It's it's not like super obvious, I guess, but it's like they they're kind of pointing out the hypocrisy of yeah. them. That it's like you know they're talking about how superior they are and how straight laced they are and it's like oh everyone else is filthy degenerates but then yeah. they do the same kind of shit yeah. but like it's okay when they do it cheating you know? on her husband well that ended up too yeah. and i think you missed too like that i think there was a scene like toward the beginning that you missed with uh one of the patients because she was a nurse like i said um that was like really like sexually harassing her like big mm-hmm. time and she like ended up she was going to give him an enema, mm-hmm. but then, like, she did this whole switcheroo where she made, like, this old, grizzled old dude, like, end up doing yeah, it. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that was a great scene, too. But, like, this whole movie is just, like, full of great scenes. I don't know what it is. It's, like, there's just something about these kind of, like, early 80s indie flicks, and especially, like, dark comedies. I especially really like dark comedies. Um, and this one... Man, like I said, I hadn't seen it for so long, and watching it last night, I just forgot how fucking funny this was. I was just dying. It's fucking hilarious. It's punching above its weight if you look at the budget. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's a good flick. And the fact that they made it for that little amount of money, yeah. and it made, like, okay money. Like, it well, made over a million dollars. It was good writing, good acting. The edit is pretty good. Um Score was good. I mean, I mean, it was. It, it, it's a well-crafted little movie. Yeah. And uh, everybody in it was having a good time at the hot tub party where they electrocute everybody. They're getting naked and shit. I think I, I think I saw a porn star in there from the eighties. You know, what do he say? Swing on this fucker! Yeah, yeah, so then he throws like the space so heater in the hot tub with all the swingers. Yeah, there. they're jumping it. So they're <laughs> electric heats. There are a bunch of, of fucking film people having fun making this. Yeah, movie. it was Paul Bartel and yeah. all his friends. Yeah. And I think that was, so this was like exactly the movie that he wanted to make. It was yeah. a very much a scene movie. It was like yeah. all his buddies. So it kind of, it kind of, uh, it, 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 it kind of exudes kind of a weird positivity to it that they're, they're, they're fucking with you. They're having fun. Yeah. Even though it's a dark subject, you know. 
but it's, but it's still not scary and it's no it's it's yeah, not scary it's, it's not graphic or anything yeah. like that like it goes to some dark places yeah, yeah there's cannibalism in it yeah uh you know there's people murder murder people being murder. ground up into dog food yeah. yeah these two are like essentially serial killers they're serial killers yeah they would and, have been considered serial they were fucking yeah, right yeah they had dudes that were doing this kind of shit remember the old fucking dude who worked at the damn pig slaughterhouse the pig farm and yeah, was killing Willie Picton. Yeah, and killing all the hookers. And there were women that knew that he was doing that. That was some weird shit, man. Yeah, it takes all kinds, I pigs. guess, doesn't it? Yeah, feed them to the pigs. Yeah, this kind of like... So it it's very, very dark subject matter, but it's treated very deftly. Yeah. And it's kind of like... It's weird. I always, it almost has like a little bit... I don't know. I don't... Almost like a little bit of a punk rock like kind of sensibility to it. You know what I mean? I yeah, don't know. New maybe. wave. Yeah, that kind of new thing. New wave seasters and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like I said, everybody—it's just hilarious. You could tell they were hanging out at the club. Right, and it's and it's yeah. hilarious to me house too. Par- the house parties. The and way shit. they make uh, the way they portray L.A. in this movie because yeah. it's like they're it's like they're portraying it subjectively, like yeah. through the eyes of the main yeah. characters who are like super uptight. Yeah, and they're talking <laughs> about the fetish the fetish scene, which, right? And, and the way it's handled, they know about the fetish scene. Yeah. So they got friends in it, you know, or they're in it, you know, just so. I love that the the dominatrix character, like when they go to her house, like to ask her for advice, like how do we, you know, they didn't say like, how do we lure people there to murder them? But she's like, you know, we want to get into this. Like, how do we do it? And so they go to her house and she's just like, even though she's like this big dominatrix and she's always like, you know, whipping people and shit like that. But they just show her as like a completely normal, like suburban mom. She's got like her little kid in the high chair and she's cutting up some food for him. If you've been a listener for a long time. It's like so, so funny. If you've been a listener for a long time, me and Jenny's got all kinds of friends. My ex-girlfriend and shit, they're all into that shit. They're always inviting us. Lately they've been inviting us to go to damn secrets. (laughs) And, uh, but, um, and then like having parties at Brian and Becky's house and they're big into that fetish scene and shit and having girlfriends living with them and everything. And then they had a teenage, teenage daughter who's just looking at them like, you guys are fucked up. Well, yeah, but it's kind of like from absolutely fabulous, you know what I mean? Where they're the, the, the. The daughter, uh, the, remember the daughter? Yeah, Saffron. From, yeah, from Saffron. Saffy. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking funny. I love that fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> and she was just like horrified that her that her mom and her mom's best friend are just like complete degenerate drugs. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> she wasn't a little, the girl we're really talking about the other daughter. She wasn't a little kid. She was eighteen. Yeah, she wasn't a kid. She was. Yeah, she was like a. She just young adult. She was just embarrassed by her parents but everybody is <laughs> yeah. that's the thing and that's yeah. what i think that's what's kind of so funny to me is that yeah. because we know a lot of people that are into this kind of stuff and it's like yeah. they have grown kids yeah. and it's always funny to me like how the kids are just like ew gross that's yeah. it's gr- it's always gross when it's your parents doing yeah it. Like, you know what i mean even if i was into like some particular shit and like my parents were doing it you'd be like yeah. ew, you know what i mean because that's yeah. just kind of how stuff works i guess but uh but yeah so this movie like I said, it did make um, pretty decent money. Got pretty decent uh, critical thing. It was it was kind of like a big midnight movie. Like I said, I remember like in the eighties, like they'd always do like little showings of it and stuff. They did actually do a stage musical adaptation of it in the nineteen in the early nineteen nineties, um, and they were going to do Paul Bartel. Like I said, he passed away, but they were actually going to do a sequel 
Yeah. Uh, in which somebody found out about what they were doing because spoiler alert, they get away with it. <laughs> like, yeah. They, the there's no ever... consequences. Yeah. They get. They don't get caught. Which I thought that was kind of unique. I know. I was just like they show them at the end going yeah. like, "Hey, we got our restaurant. They got the twenty five thousand dollars or whatever yeah. it was they needed to buy it." <clears throat> And it was just like, I thought that was like really funny. funny. It's funny that you said they made a show about it because I was thinking at the time I was watching it, it would would have been pretty good to see that with Rocky Horror Picture Show and something like uh, Sweeney Todd is is in that. How fun would that have been? You could do kind of like a cannibalism. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like it. Oh, this would be so cool. Like, if there's like some indie theater out there, like around here that wants to do that, you could do like a whole. We'll do Night of Cannibalism, and you can have this movie. You can have this. Only has a little bit of cannibalism. It's mostly like they just refer to it. Yeah, they just they don't show it or anything. Mm -hmm. Now, Rocky Horror does have some cannibalism in it too because they eat Eddie. Mm. You know the yeah, meatloaf character. Yeah. So um, then you could do like Motel Hell. You could yeah. do like so all the like fun cannibalism movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the dark comedies about cannibalism. Oh, you could even show Parents from 1989. That would be another good one. So you could do it, uh, which I reviewed. I don't think you've seen it though. But uh, but yeah, that would be another good because that's another black comedy like about cannibalism. But they were gonna do a sequel to this movie, and it was gonna be called. Bland Ambition Bland? because because that was their last name. Oh yeah. Paul and Mary Bland. So it was going to be called Bland Ambition. <laughs> and it's like, well, one of the funny things, so their last name is Bland and I'm pretty sure that at one point because they were going to open this restaurant, at one point he said to her like they were going to call it what oh man, what enchiladas, bland enchiladas. Mm-hmm. That's what they were, they were going to call him. She's like, that's my specialty. So they were going to put that on the menu, the bland enchiladas. And I can't remember what else, because they were coming up with some... Um, uh, I can't remember what the first name for the restaurant they had was. Because after that, they kind of referred to it as like, oh, it'll just be Paul and Mary's Country Kitchen or something like that. But they had another name before that, but it was something else with bland in it, which I thought was like really funny. And they were just like, and they talked about it like it was normal. Like people wouldn't be like, well, maybe we shouldn't name the restaurant like something with bland in it because that was their last name. But it's like, I thought that was funny that they didn't comment on it. But as like everything about this movie is like hilarious. Like I don't, I don't know why this movie is so funny to me, but... Everything about it is funny to me. And I had forgotten how fucking funny it was, but I was just, like, laughing through the whole fucking thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tammy says, uh, Absolutely Fabulous is one of my all-time favorite shows. Yeah, mine too. Mine too. Honestly, I like a lot of... I don't like a lot of comedy, but when I like comedy, it tends to be black comedy or it tends to be, like, British comedy, which, some I don't know, something about that is, like, much funnier to me than, like, American comedy. So, yeah, like, Absolutely Fabulous. I love, like, a lot of old British comedies, like... The Young Ones and the comic strip, which was more, like, surreal. Uh, you know, I love, like, Eddie Izzard. I love, like, all that kind of stuff. I also liked Little Britain, although I only saw, I don't know how many seasons. I know they call it series over there. But um, I don't know how many seasons of that there was, but I did see, like, the first couple seasons, and I thought those were, like, super funny. Because that seemed like it had, like, a Young Ones kind of vibe to it, because it was just, like, it was kind of like the greasy strangler a little bit in a little way where it was just kind of like making fun of like these gross ass people you know what i mean but uh yeah i liked that as well but i haven't seen a lot of we have brit box and i always kind of feel like oh i should go in there and like check out some new stuff because i've heard there's some new things that are good but and everybody keeps recommending peaky blinders also and maybe we should get around to watching that one of these days 
but I've had a lot of people recommend that. But yeah, so um, if you have HBO Max and you like 80s movies and you like dark comedies, then you should totally watch this because this is a great movie. And I feel like a lot of people don't don't talk about it. It's short. It's only like 83 minutes. Um, and I don't know. I just laughed the whole fucking way through it. Everything about this movie is fucking funny to me. And I don't, I don't know what else to tell you, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So you have anything else you would like to add? No, I think we've covered it at least twice. <laughs> All right, bitch. <laughs> Talking in circles. Okay. Well, we're not. Well, just because yeah. you're just sitting there not saying anything. So I'm I've just said everything like I trying. can say about it. I've said everything I can say about it. Okay. It, it. It's a decent movie. It's good. Richard Brown said, have you seen Blood Sucking Freaks? I have, but it was uh, a while ago. I don't think we ever reviewed it, though, did we? Mm. Never heard of it. I don't remember if we reviewed it, but I have seen it like a few years ago. Um, let me see. Uh, Mango said Parents with Randy Quaid is very good. Yeah, I I reviewed Parents probably a year ago, maybe not even that long ago. Like, look at it, it's on my Flickers of Fear series. I did that because that's another movie that I feel like um, a lot of people don't talk about anymore, even though it's like really really funny. It's not. It's slightly different than the... It's kind of like a similar vibe to this one, I guess. Like, I think Eating Raul is more, like, overtly funny, whereas Parents is more sinister, and the humor isn't quite as overt. But it's kind of in the same ballpark, I feel like. Maybe. You know what I mean? I've never seen it. Camp Guy said, is this the one with the scene at the hot tub? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where he throws the thing in. Parents is actually set in, like, an idealized 1950s, and it's kind of like leave it to beaver if the parents were cannibals <clears throat> and like it's from their kid's point of view and he's like oh my god my parents are cannibals you know what i mean but it's it's almost like a horror movie like it's kind of creepy hmm. this one's not creepy this one's just pretty overtly a comedy even though like the you know the subject matter is dark that one is kind of more in a gray area you know what i mean because it's not as overtly funny and it also has like creepy shit in it too yeah, they throw a space heater into the hot tub and it kills all the... Because uh, at this swingers party, you know, every, all the naked people is like, everybody has to get into the hot tub. So they all get into the hot tub and like, he's like, and he throws the heater in there, electrocutes everybody. But, uh, but yeah. All right. So we are going to wrap it up. Now, tomorrow night is our main show. And Paul... And, <laughs> I said Paul because I was looking at the, uh, looking at the notes because of Paul Bartel. Um, but Tom will be very excited to know that oh, yeah. we're, what is it? we're doing another UFO show. No, we're, are we? we're doing the Belgian wave. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Belgian wave. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm well versed in it. So what we Ready might do this evening is cause unsolved mysteries did a show a Belgian featuring wave. that. You want to see it again? And we can watch it. It's okay. on Tubi because I already yeah. looked. It's season oh, yeah. season four episode. Oh, I, yeah, I've seen it many times. I love it. I've seen I it too. It. I love that one. But yeah. yeah, but that'd be a good refresher course. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good shit in that. So that should be a fun show. I yeah, feel like. that happened. I know the Belgian wave happened. You just well, we'll see. Yeah, I believe they did. Have, well, shit, man. The Air Force fucking. Well, the Air Force did fly up. We're going to talk about it the other day. There's a possibility it could have been some radar, false radar returns, but yeah. Because uh, they were using a radar that sometimes malfunctioned. But, nah, the cops, the gendarmerie saw all kinds of weird shit. I believe they saw it. Trey just got here and said, shit, I'm late. 
It's hey, all right, you missed it, dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least you can go back and watch it. Yeah. But yeah, this is a great fucking movie. Go watch it. Like I said, it's on HBO Max. And tomorrow night we're doing a show about Belgian UFO wave. Yeah. So everybody will be excited about that. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Yard said, "Wow, Belgian wave," and Tom Perks right up. Yeah. I figured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we will see you guys again uh, tomorrow night. Thanks very much for dropping by for the discussion. Good night.